Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's episode of the Bunker Boys. It's fucking Masters Week! <laughs> uh, yeah, very exciting week around here. Um, we had a great tournament this past weekend. Um, I feel like every day the leaderboard was seemingly just getting flipped on its head. Um, but yeah, uh, great tournament there at the Valero Texas Open. Uh, and of course, we'll talk about that really quick. And then it's it's Masters Week. Uh, we got to get you guys ready for that. Uh, we are super pumped up. Uh, Slade and I, I think together have put in like over 20 bets uh, just on the Masters alone. Um, so we're going to talk about a bunch of storylines heading in there. Uh, as always, give you the top 10 FedEx Cup rundown. Uh, give you some of those bets that we made. Um, bunch of stuff uh, coming to you guys. Uh, so... Real quick, go back to Texas. Nick, why don't you... Or Nick, I'm sorry. <laughs> Slade, why don't you give us the, the top five rundown? Yeah, so like you said, each day the leaderboard looked very different. Um, the top finishers were JJ Spawn. He uh, was 13 under. He recovered from an opening bogey, or double bogey, sorry, on the first hole of his Sunday round. He became only the second person to win after uh, opening hole double bogey. Uh, second place was a tie between Matt Jones and Matt Kuchar at 11 under. And then there was three guys tied for fourth at 10 under in Adam Hadwin, Troy Merritt, and Charles Howell III. Um, what did you originally think of the um, top five there, George? Yeah, um, I didn't get to see much of the Sunday round. I was out golfing on Sunday. Um, but, I mean... Spawn's recovery from the first hole uh, was you know, exceptional. It, it's so funny. Um, people always say like golf's like 90% mental. And that's so true because I was out this past weekend. And I hit one bad shot in like the next three holes. I was like, damn it. And I would just never recover. And then finally like I let it go. This guy gets a double bogey in the first hole. A lot of guys would probably think, oh, shit, like I'm over. Like uh, there's no way I'm getting back into this tournament. He turns around and puts together a hell of a day. Uh, it makes a charge to get up there for the win. Um, that was awesome to see. It was also really good. I, I, you and I talked about this a little bit over the weekend. Um, and it might may have been a little bit of guys just focusing more ahead on this upcoming week, which is very understandable. Um, and I, I feel like that's probably why some of these names, like Day and McElroy, might have missed the cut. Um, but you saw Spieth on Sunday put in a, a great round um and really and everybody's like okay he's he's getting himself in the mental space to go play this week um but at the same time with that being said it was really cool to see some of these guys who aren't always up there in the in the, in the top of the leaderboards uh get their name up there and show that hey you know we're professional golfers for a reason um and you know we, we will we're here to play um that was my takeaway from it uh what about you yeah, I agree. I think that it was a great voting week for some people, and then it was also a stop and think where you're at here right now and what you need to do for some other people. I mean, there was uh, Knox. He opened up with 7-under and was in the lead on Wednesday, or, uh, Thursday, and I looked. He ended up finishing plus 2, and he was uh, last of all the people that made the cut. <laughs> so it's just crazy how the weekends can go. Start out one way and end different, and like you said with Jordan Spieth, he uh he really had a great Sunday aside from some putty mishaps. Uh, are I think both of us are in agreement that we would have lost money on our picks last week. <laughs> Neither of them finishing in the top thirty. I was I felt so good about my pick um after the first day because list was tied for fourth. I was like, good, I called it. Like he's gonna have a great rest of the weekend. And I think on Friday, he was all the way down to, like, 26. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, okay. Hey, we're going into the weekend. Saturday's moving day. He'll be good. And then I, <laughs> he he drops all the way down to the 50s by the end of Sunday. Um, so, yeah, my, my pick didn't work out. Looks really good. Just didn't work out. Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Spieth had a nice recovery on Sunday. Um, but, yeah. Uh, overall, it, it, it was a very entertaining tournament, I would say. Um I mean, we talked about it on the course review last week of how challenging that course is. Um, so definitely a nice little warm-up for the guys that used it for that reason to get ready for this. 
upcoming week. Um, one of those guys that was looking to use last weekend as a uh, as a warm up for this week was Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, he withdrew after day one uh, due to ongoing neck pain. Uh, if you remember, he withdrew from the mass or excuse me, the players um, because of back pain. Uh, so, Slade, I'll get your thoughts first. What What do you think about him and, and dealing with his injuries? There's pictures of him at the course today in Augusta, warming up um, and, and playing a couple practice rounds. So, real quick, what are your thoughts on him and his injuries, and how well do you think he's going to do this upcoming week? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for him because he's ever since we. Had him at number one in the FedEx Cup. Ever since then, he hasn't really performed. <laughs> um, we, I guess he put, no, he was he was top five for uh, I think like the first two weeks that we were looking at it in terms of placing at tournaments and stuff. But yeah, ever since then, he's just been really dealing with that injury. And I mean, I think it's a bold prediction, but I think that there's a better chance that Tiger makes the cut than Hideki this weekend. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I I. Like I, th- I think that there's a higher chance that Hideki has to pull out mm-hmm. because of pain than because I think if Tiger starts, he's finishing. Yeah. Whether he get whether he makes the cut or not, like he's gonna finish out whatever rounds he's able to. Yeah. Unless he like seriously hurts himself, then yeah. Uh, I yeah. feel like at this point he's like I'm not gonna risk it too much. Um. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I I think. Um, and Hideki's still in the running for the FedEx, so like he doesn't need to like go all in on this weekend and ruin his chances at the rest of the year. Right, right. Um, so yeah, in interesting to see. Uh, I mean, obviously he's a defending champion. He wants to go out there and defend that crown. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you don't want to ruin your body for the rest of the year. Um, obviously he's had some issues going on, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, uh, there was some big names, I feel like, that, that missed the cut this past week. And, and Jason Day, he had missed out by one. Uh, Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler both both missed out on the cut also. Um, well, do you think that for some of these bigger names like this, I mean, Ricky Fowler's not going to be at the Masters. He didn't qualify. But uh, with some of these guys, do you think that it's a benefit or – disadvantage for them to have played in this tournament when i mean we've seen now there's been guys since monday morning out in augusta i mean heck tiger and justin thomas were there last week so right do you think that it was like a benefit to to play this past weekend or do you think that it would have been a benefit to kind of take it off and kind of relax because i mean it seems like they're playing for five days before any actual competition starts at the Masters here. Right. Um, if I was McElroy, I would have probably taken this tournament off. Um, just Because ever since the players, like I feel like everything at the players got so screwed up, and I feel like a lot of these guys have just mentally been off their game since. Um, just because of the weather and everything got shifted around, and you had the wind the one day. Um, and so they've just been kind of scrambling. So before... Not just a major, but probably the most premier major in golf. I would have personally taken this weekend off. And I know, like, you want to say, but, like, hell, you can go to your local TPC course. You can't tell me one of these guys don't live near one and just play around there. And then, yeah, you're, there's guys at you have practice rounds today and tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, you have the par three contest, and then you, you get to it on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, personally, if, if – and obviously I'm not a professional for this reason, probably, I would have taken this weekend off, um, you know, relaxed with the family a little bit, either gone to another course. Um, I'm not sure what the regulations are on getting to play Augusta early, if you had to be like a past winner uh, or something like that. Um, but yeah, overall, I probably would have taken this week off. Do you think that uh, uh, that that some of these guys that played, like Rory, do you think that he played in hopes of not playing against every big-name person at the Valorum, like in hopes that he, he had a better chance at, at getting a win for the season? See, I wouldn't say that because, well, one, he already has a win this year um, right. over, in, yeah, over in Europe. But two, like it was just a year ago when he won the Wells Fargo. and I mean, there was no slouches there. Um, 
yeah, there was a couple big names that sat that tournament out, but still, um, I think from his perspective, I don't think that's what he was thinking. I just think that he was just so in the routine of playing golf now that he's like, okay, let's just go do the next one. Let's go do the next one. Um, just trying to rack up as many points as he can for the FedEx Cup and, and all these different things. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I really believe that he missed the cut this week because he was, his mind wasn't 100% on this, this tournament. He had some really great shots uh, on the first two days. Um, but obviously he, there was other times where he, like I said, his, I don't think his focus was fully there. Uh, his sure. mind was elsewhere. Um, and that's why just in my mind, I would have, if, if you can't fully focus on what you're trying to do right now, um, just, just hang it up, take the week off. I don't think anybody would have judged him. Like everybody would hundred percent understood. Oh, Hey, he's going to be for the yeah. masters. And, and I don't know how like sponsorship goes. And if like one of his big sponsors is, is in uh texas and like that's right it, yeah that could be a very very reasonable um explanation too i mean i think like you said that his mind is definitely elsewhere and i mean we'll get to it here in a couple of minutes when with the reasoning as to why it's reasonable for his his mind to be focused more on next week but yeah i agree that i think that you're 100 percent correct in saying that his mind is kind of elsewhere yeah um but yeah like we said, uh, this week definitely wasn't boring or anything. Um, but the real reason people are going to be tuning into the show is it's time for the goddamn Masters, baby. Um, but real quick, uh, heading into the Masters, we'll give you your FedEx Cup top 10 real quick. Uh, there's only one real change, uh, and that's JJ Spawn uh, appearing in the top 10 now after his win with 842 points. Uh, the rest of the top 10 is exactly the same. You have Joaquin Neiman in 9th, Sungjae Im in 8th, Victor Hovland in 7th, Taylor Gooch in 6th, Tom Hodge in 5th, Hideki Matsuyama in 4th, and Cameron Smith 3rd. Sam Burns is 2nd, and Scotty Scheffler still damn near 1,000 points ahead of 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's great to see... JJ Spawn get in there. He's two points ahead of uh, the eleventh place guy, so he's definitely got to still compete. Uh, like you had said, this week is Masters, the Masters tournament at Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia, and you had already said the defending champion is Hideki Matsuyama. Hopefully, we get to see him defend um, to the best of his ability. Hopefully, it's not where he's just going out there because he's listed in the tournament and ends up being in so much pain he has to pull out of the tournament again. Yeah, I I fully agree. Um, I mean, I, I don't wish any physical pain on any golfer um, other than Daniel Berger. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day... Maybe Berger. <laughs> at the end of the day, especially a defending... Ma- or not just the Masters champion, but any defending um, major champion, you want to see them go out there and, and at least have the opportunity to to defend their title, especially one that is so prestigious as the Masters. Um, so yeah, I, hopefully it was just a precaution last week. Like I said, he I know he was there playing the practice round today. Um, so I really hope he's good to go, but we'll have to see. Um, as always, it's time for your course review. Uh, this will probably take an hour in itself because, um, you know, and I don't blame them. You're talking about Augusta National, but every hole has – just about a damn three-page paragraph. Um, so starting with hole one is the signature par four at 445 yards, known as T-Olive. Uh, a pretty straightforward hole. It's a driver. Some of the longer guys may hit a three-wood. You want to aim something down the left center and hit a nice little power fade and try to keep it out of that bunker on the right. You can get away with it from that bunker sometimes, but it's a pretty big lip and it can be in a tough spot. Depending on the conditions, you have anything from a 4-iron to an 8 or 9. The green slopes pretty much back to front. There's a little tier in the middle right section. It's one of those more underrated difficult greens out there. You can have putts on the green with 7 to 8 feet of break. It's such a tough green, especially the front third. If you're hitting something shorter and have any spin and land it on the front, it's coming off the green quite a bit. 
to a spot that's not the easiest up and down. If you miss to the left, if you miss left to a back left pin, you're completely dead and happy to make a bogey. Hole number two is a par five at 575 yards. It's called the Pink Dogwood. Number two, you can come into as your first real birdie opportunity. It's maybe one of the easier drives for a lot of guys. You just aim it at the fairway bunker and try and hit a draw. It's a tough second shot, though. You have a downhill Y, usually in the 240 distance area, and the green is sloped severely right or uh, left to right. You do not want to be above the hole. The trees on the left mean you almost always have to draw into the green with it being the downhill Y. It's tough to do. You'll see guys, if they are not comfortable with the shot, hit it into the front right bunker or push it down to the bottom right side of the fairway, where you'll have some fairly easy chip shots to some of the pins. The one bunker you should try to avoid is the front left to the front pin. If you hit it anywhere else left, it's almost impossible to hit it within 20 feet of the hole. There's a lot of strategy at Augusta, but especially in the par 5s. You move to hole 3, which is a par 4 at 350 yards. Uh, it's known as the Flowering Peach. On the tee shot, it all depends where the pin is. If it's left, I'll lay back farther. If it's on the right, especially the back right, you can hit it up there as far as you can. It's tough to get all the way to the back right pin if you lay back. From up close, you can pinch in there and not be worried about spinning it too much. You're trying to avoid short left and those bunkers. If you execute it right, you have a legitimate chance at birdie. If the ball is rolling, you can hit a 5 or 6 iron off the tee, but if it's not, you can hit a 2 iron or hybrid. I usually have about 140 yards if I lay back. If it's dry, I can hit a driver onto the upslope and have 30 yards. It just depends on what the ball is doing. And by the way, real quick, I just want to mention, all these articles this week are written by golfers, not us. Uh, obviously, we've never played Augusta, so we're not sitting here trying to tell you. Um, but every whole bio is written by a different golfer. Uh, that one was Scott Stallings. Uh, so again, I am not saying what this what this course looks like. It's the, the golfers. Maybe one day Nick's got <laughs> us. Remember, Nick's got his buy in. Yeah, so. yeah. Nick has us <clears throat> paying eight hundred dollars for the first time ever. They're letting the public into Augusta apparently because yeah. God knows Instagram's always right. <laughs> Hole four is a par three at two hundred and forty yards. It's called the Flowering Crab Apple. Usually hitting a three iron, sometimes a five wood. Probably the toughest hole in the golf course, to be honest. Just trying to get it on the green. You're not going to make worse than a four from the front right bunker, and you'll have a pretty good chance at a three. It's just one of those holes where you're trying to make a par. I think I made birdie once. The front left pin is extremely tough. It's not very wide. Maybe 12 to 14 paces at most. You're better off in the left bunker where the pin is in the front. The green is extremely tilted. From right to left, the green is pretty level from front to back. There's a false front on the front left. You want to try and hit a shot that's high in the air and has a lot of spin. A high cut is really nice if you can get the right number. You get a mixed bag of wind, or sorry, you get a mixed back bag of wind on that hole. I've played it when it's downwind and from the left, and sometimes it's into the wind from the right. Hole 5 is a par 4 at 495 yards, known as the Magnolia Hole. It's a hard hole. You're just trying to find the fairway between the traps on the left of the pine tree. Uh, on, excuse me. You're just trying to find the fairway between the traps on the left and the pine trees down the right. The bunker is probably 20 feet deep. There's a bit of rough there. And the way that hill sits, if you pulled one, it will come up short and you can try and hook something around the bunker. You don't have much of a shot from down there. The green is very undulating. The first 15 yards of it are really irrelevant because those steep uphill slopes, it doesn't even feel like it's a green. You have to land it at least 15 yards on. If you can keep the ball just short of the back bunker, you can pretty much putt to any pin. It's a hard two putt if you're not on that flat part in the back. It's so hard reading this and trying to change it to like it so that <laughs> yeah, no. fucking Jim Furick is not the one talking. <laughs> hole six is a par three at 180 yards it's called juniper jim furick wrote this one he number six is interesting because if the pin is in the front left you have a chance to put the ball in the green and feed it down to the hole back left is almost impossible to get the ball to 
you're going to be putting or sorry you're going to be putting from 20 feet short and rarely do you get the putt to the hole because it's quick and you don't want to knock it by the top right pin it's tough to get to the ball to stop at that level for every 10 good iron shots i've hit at that top shelf i've probably only had three or four balls stop on it the green is only about eight yards by seven yards at the most a lot of it is unusable or sorry a lot of it a lot of it is usable because if you hit it on the back it's going to go over you're hitting a very little area <laughs> but most of the guys will take a pop at it if you miss it a little long i'd rather have that chip or putt from back there hole 7 is a par 4 at 450 yards known as pampas uh chris kirk writ wrote it's sneakily one of the toughest par 4s out there you have to start with a good tee shot from there you generally have Anywhere from a wedge to an 8-iron in the green. There's no club that would feel real comfortable hitting into that green. The green is so shallow and you have three distinct segments. The front right pin is really the only one that feels like you can get close to it. You can use the slope of the green to funnel the ball toward the hole. They have a new pin on the far right behind the bunker. Anyone who hits that all-in-one is either stupid or made a mistake. The pin on the left are so tough. They're up on a high point and it's really easy to miss right when you have the ball funnel toward the front right of the green. If you hit 10 feet left of the hole, it's going to run off the green to the left. It's definitely one of the most difficult greens on the course. Hole number 8 is a par 5 at 570 yards. It's called the Yellow Jasmine. Brant Snedeker wrote this. An ideal shot is a cutoff tee, but being a par 5, guys try and take it over the large bunker on the right and draw it a little to get some extra distance. If you get lucky, you can get a 5 or 6 iron out of the bunker. If you're up against the lip, you're going to have to hit a wedge out. It's a blind second shot as you can't really see the green. The green is diabolical. There's a big ridge going right through the middle, dissecting it from front and back. The front pin has always, or sorry, the front pin kind of has a bowl effect so guys can't, or can hit it close. The back right pin is tough to get close to. It's tough to get a two putt just about anywhere on the green. It's a big risk-reward par 5 because if you do overturn your second shot, you're in trouble. If you miss it left, it's impossible. It's probably a 1 out of 10 you'll get up and down. Hole number 9 is a par 4 at 460 yards, known as the Carolina Cherry. Zach Johnson, the 2000 Masters champ, wrote this. It's a tee shot that looks daunting. You can't see anywhere your ball ends up, but there's a tree that is your target. It calls for a draw because the fairway goes right to left, but if you can still play a power fade because it does open up on the right side. You don't really feel the wind on the tee box, so whatever you feel on 8, you have to remember for 9. The second shot is on a severe downhill lie, setting, hitting several, excuse me. The second shot is on a severe downhill lie, hitting severely uphill, hitting it to the middle of the third tiered green. Which, is a, which has a false front, is pretty good. The front pins are the hardest because it's hard to keep it on that level. It's usually a driver and mid-iron for me. Hole 10 is a par 4 at 495 yards. It's called Camila. Hunter Mahan says that obviously a downhill par 4, it has a lot of movement from right to left. But you have to hit a draw off the tee. It's at Sorry, it's the least amount of slope on the left side of the fairway, and it gives you a better angle into the hole. I'm going to hit driver, and I'm going to get it as far down as I can. I still want a short iron, because hitting a long iron to the green is no fun. The green is guarded by a bunker on the right, and if you miss on the left, it's going to roll back down the hill some 15-20 yards. The back left hole location on Sunday is tough, because the putt looks uphill, and it looks like it can be aggressive, but it's actually flowing toward 11 and 12. So it's faster than it looks and has a lot of break. The green breaks back to front and a lot of right to left also. Hole 11 is a par 4 at 505 yards known as White Dogwood. This is also the first hole that begins Amen Corner. Stuart Sink wrote, First of all, you deal with the fear. That's how you start. The fairway is so narrow that you're just aiming for the center. Even if you miss the fairway in the rough, you're just hoping you stay between the trees. If you hit the fairway, you have a middle or long iron to a real demanding green. The shot is 8 to 10 yards downhill. 
when you when you're hitting your approach, you have to decide how bold you want to be. If you want to miss to the right, you're about three to four feet below the green there. So if you have a scary shot uphill to a green that slopes towards the lake, you know you can't miss right, so then the pond becomes more in play. You rarely ever go for the flag unless it's on the right side, and you still have to be really disciplined. The green is basically large and has one general slope, back right to front left. Hole 12 is a par 3 at 155 yards, called Golden Bell. Jim Furyk says that most people don't appreciate how skinny that green is. I think it's only nine yards deep over the bunker, and most guys, if the pin is right, are aiming over that bunker. It's easy to knock it over the green. Short is wet. It's probably going to be at a five at least. It's an easy four from the bunkers. There's a lot of times where the 11th green shows a flag or downwind, and the 12th flag shows you the wind's at you. More often than not, you can't trust that it's downwind. So you play for no wind and you rip one over the green. And that's a tough three. For a short par three, it's probably the best and toughest short par three in golf. You have about 16 yards of depth on the left side to hit, so I think a lot of guys will aim there. In the center left, but there's no bargain to a back right pin. I've hit a lot of shots that I thought I hit well, but ended up just over the green and was left scratching my head. It's just tough to judge. Hole 13, uh, arguably one of the most recognizable holes, um, second most, I'd say, um, is a par 5 at 510 yards. This is the hole Bubba Watson famously just took it over the trees uh, when he won his Masters a few years ago. Uh, known as the Azalea Hole, uh, Keegan Bradley writes, it's a driver or three wood off the tee. You have to turn it pretty good off the tee, probably 15 yards. Then it's a long iron in or a layup. I don't know how to explain the slant, but the ball is very much above your feet. It's a very severe side hill lie, a really tough shot. The green is severe. You can't go long. There's a shelf on the back left of the green. There are no easy up and downs around that green. Just short of the creek is probably the easiest spot to get up and down from. Hole 14 is a par 4 at 440 yards. It's called the Chinese Fur. Is that correct? Yes. Stuart Sink says, I love 14. It's kind of a copy of the 14th at St. Andrews with the green because there's a huge slope up in the front, and then it all pitches away. The first half of the top shelf goes dead away from you, then the second half goes mostly left to right. Off the tees, you have a turn. You have to turn it left to right to left. The shorter hitters can hit a straight ball, but if you're in the long half of the field, you have to turn your ball right to left, um, usually with a driver or a three-wood. The fairway slopes left to right, so that complicates the second shot because you know you have to keep it left of the hole due to the slope of the green. Since the green is encouraging your ball to go right and you have an uphill second shot, a lot of factors work against you hitting it left. Hole 15 as a par 5 at 530 yards, uh, known as Firethorn. Charles Swartzel, Charles, okay. Charles Swartzel, the 2011 Masters champ, writes, Ideally, if you can keep the ball up the right side, the fairway slopes a little right to left from the tee. It looks like a wide fairway, but you have the trees out about 330 yards that cut into the middle of the fairway from the left side. It normally leaves you around 220 to 230 really to a really narrow green. There's not a really good place to miss it. Long leaves you in a really tough chip back towards the water and short is in the water. Most guys go for it through. Most guys go for it though because you have about 15 to 20 yards of downhill elevation so it leaves you with a four iron or a hybrid. At Augusta the par fives are key so you're really trying to hit a good shot in there and give yourself a chance for eagle or birdie. Hole 16 is a par 3 at 170 yards, called Red Bud. Luke Donald says number 16 is really all about the green. It's a medium-length par 3. Certain pins you can attack, others you can't. The ones on the top, the back right, and middle right are probably the toughest ones to get to. The wind tends to swirl a little bit around there. Those top pins, if you're between clubs, you usually take less club and hit it hard. You can't miss it long in the back right bunker. It's almost an automatic bogey. Front pins, you want to use the right to left slope. The Sunday back left pin 
you have about 20 to 25 feet right that you can use to, uh, sorry, to funnel the ball towards the hole. It's a good pin because the water is a little bit in play and that bunker is in play. But most people are trying to hit it right and use the slope. You can have anywhere from a 9-iron to a 5-iron or 6-iron. And if it's into the wind, to the back of the pin, and the tee is back, it can play upwards of 190 yards. Who was it, <clears throat> real quick, who was it uh, last year or the year before that, so they, Caddy only carries like five or six balls, and they ran out of balls? I don't remember. I do I, I do remember hearing mm. that story, but I don't remember who that yeah, was. Yeah, he put it in the water like four times. <laughs> Um, hole 17 is a par 4 at 440 yards, um, known as Nandina. Uh, Kevin Streamlin writes, with the loss of the Eisenhower tree, it's much more open tee shot, but you're still not off the hook going into that green. You have three or four really distinct levels, a top right pin and back left. It's hard to get close on the second shot. You end up having 25 footers where you're trying to lag it up there for par. The back left pin really runs away, and it's hard to keep it on the green. If you land it near that pin, the right pins are just nasty. The back right one, you can't go over. There's a huge hill back there. It's impossible up and down from beyond the green. The middle right pin, you can hit to the middle of the green, but it's extremely fast putt going towards Ray's Creek. The short bunker isn't a terrible place to be. Hole 18 is a par 4 at 465 yards, called Collins. Zach Johnson describes it as a tough hole and is very much a shoot. You have more fairway on the right than it looks. It calls for a power fade off the bunker out there. The tee shot is slightly uphill. The second shot is 6-7% to 7% uphill, so if you have a 200-yard shot, it plays 10-15 to 15 yards longer. The green looks really, really small to the eye from the fairway. It's multi-tiered with a false front. Middle of the green, especially with a mid-iron, is ideal. The ball will roll back if the pin is up front. It's hard to get up and down long. If the pin is in the right side of the green, being left is never bad and vice versa. If you short side yourself, you're making a bogey unless you make a long putt. The front left pin on Sunday, you do not want to be left. So that is your course review of Augusta National Golf Club in Georgia. Um, again, one of the most revered golf courses and arguably probably one of the most beautiful golf courses in the world. Um, so really excited for this weekend. Uh, to get you even more ready for this weekend, uh, we have a lot of storylines and, and things to, to help talk about and to get you guys all caught up in everything you need to know going into this weekend. Um, so the first thing you need to know, uh, this is the first year uh, that the stands are back since 2019. Uh, in 2020, obviously, uh, COVID impacted it, uh, moved the tournament from its normal April date to a November date, um, which Dustin Johnson won. There was absolutely no fans there. Then uh, last year, uh, there was limited fans allowed back in, um, which was better. It just still wasn't the same. So I'm really excited for the full crowd to be back this year. Um, I feel like the, the, the atmosphere uh, that the fans bring in just adds another element of excitement to this tournament uh, and I'm really excited to get to experience it again uh, with the fans at full force. Yeah I agree I think that this is going to be um I almost feel like we've we've had of the tournaments this year there's like some really memorable moments I mean you had the waste management open with the home one and just chucking beer everywhere on 17 and then at the players we had um what was that the uh, the sixteenth where no it was, so the waste management was the sixteenth uh, the players was the seventeenth with the water okay yeah okay, so my bad uh but where we had just them clowning around Brooks laughed at himself you know I feel like this could really be another big eye catching weekend when it comes to whatever happens um especially with the possibility I mean we had talked about it already that. Tiger's been out in Augusta already since last Wednesday, I think. And so he had tweeted and said that barring like anything else going on, it's definitely going to be a last-minute game-time decision for him to uh, tee it up on Thursday. And I'm sure that just about everyone is hoping that he does. I think 
just about everyone is probably betting on him too. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think he's going to play. Uh, I, I really feel like if he's getting this close to it uh, without saying no, um, he's he's going to play. Um, now, I mean, you and I were talking, is he going to play the full weekend? Um, which I, I've said from the beginning, I th- I think he's playing regardless because at the end of the day, there's no shame if he has to withdraw. Um, nobody's ex- nobody expected him to come back this soon. Um, and at the end of the day, we all know what he's dealing with, what he's recovering from. Uh, so there's absolute zero shame. I mean, now he might you know l- look at himself uh, like a failure. I mean, that's just the, the mentality I feel like he has. Um, but at the end of the day, he also needs to, if he wants to make a long-term comeback, and you know, do this for a few more years. Uh, he needs to be at a hundred percent. And like I said, I, I, he starts. Um, whether he withdraws or not is, is going to be the question. Then. Yeah, I think that I, um, I think it was uh, Roy that also said that Tiger definitely earned his uh, PIP money just in this past <laughs> week from all the eyeballs that he's put on Augusta. I mean, Augusta is obviously the biggest tournament, one of the biggest tournaments, you know, if not the biggest that we're going to see all year. And, I mean, he's he's definitely put millions more eyes on it just in, in the thought of him playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's, that's funny, but that's absolutely true. Um, and we, we already touched on it briefly. Um but Hideki Matsuyama, the defending champion, uh, withdrew from the players, uh, back pain, uh, and then withdrew this past weekend because of a neck injury. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he he plays? Um, and how how well do you think he does? I know we we kind of touched on it. We we gave some small predictions, but what is your full prediction on him for this week? I mean, personally, I don't think that he should play. I think that he's been doing this where he's battling through and thinking that maybe if he just kind of works through it, it'll work its way out. But, I mean, he's been going on a couple weeks now where he's he's looking like he's in a lot of pain when he's hitting the ball to the point where he's having to pull out of tournaments a day or two into it, you know. I think that he's going to play. Um, I hope that he doesn't have to back out again. I mean, I had said earlier that I think that there's a greater chance that he has to withdraw than Tiger. But, yeah, I think for him, his health, I think that he should sit out. But what do you think? Uh, I yeah, I, th- I think he gives it a go. Um, and I th- honestly, I I don't want to see him do it, but I feel like if he is it's still in pain, I think he just tries to gut it out. Um, and then just see where that takes him. Uh, but yeah, that's that's another interesting case. Um, I just think with the defending champion, he's not gonna let himself back out. And I, I think that's where that's going to lead. Um, yeah. Um, like you had said, storylines. Uh, you mentioned earlier about Rory McIlroy's uh, mind probably being elsewhere just based on his, his play this past weekend. Uh, he's still hunting for his career Grand Slam. This is going to be his eighth crack at the Grand Slam since putting himself into contention for it after his 2014 Open Championship. Uh, it's definitely, as soon as you said that, I, I definitely agree with you in saying that his, his mind just was probably elsewhere. Um, we also have Scotty Scheffler. Can he keep up with his, his excellent form? I mean, he's been on a run. He's won three of the last five starts on tour and has soared to the top of the world number one ranking. Uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, the only thing that would make me happier than seeing Roy, uh, complete his Grand Slam would be either Brooks winning, just because I'm his fan, uh, or Tiger coming back and and winning, um, just one of the most stand-up guys in golf, um, I've been, I've admired him for a long time, he was the one that's supposed to take up the mantle when, when Tiger, you know, had all his injuries and stuff, um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if he, you know, can bounce back if if his mind was, you know, so far ahead to this week. Um, I mean, that would be a great storyline. Uh, with Scheffler, I mean, I don't, 
he has been so hot. It's hard not to, to bet against him. Um, I don't know how he did here last year, if he even played here last year. Um, so that kind of factors into it. But, I mean, you're the world number one now. It'll be interesting to see how he comes out. Um, the last match he played, he won. So, I mean, he definitely should be up there as a favorite, I would say. you. I mean, you can't count him out. Um, but he's going to be interesting to watch this weekend. Uh, speaking of some interesting players to watch this weekend, we have Colin Morikawa. Uh, he is looking to become the first man since Jordan Spieth in 2015 uh, to win back-to-back majors. In 2018, Kepka won two majors, uh, but Francesco Molinaris won the Open Championship uh, in between those two majors. Uh, Morikawa won the last major of last year, the Open Championship, uh, in 2021. What a great tournament that was uh, and race to the finish. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, real quick? Do you think he does it, or do you think we get we get somebody else in there in, in, in victory lane? <laughs> I I think ta- just based on like the three guys' names that you said there, I think that Brooks has a better chance of of um, getting a win here than than Colin does. I mean, I, Colin's been doing great this season, and obviously he's got he he ended last year with the with that last major of the year win. But uh, yeah, I think that Brooks really shows up when it comes to majors. I mean, he he had, I don't know if it's a joke or not. I mean, they never really said, but he basically said that he only practices for majors. Yeah, no, he, which was, to me is crazy. Like, I don't know if I don't know if he still does that, but it, yeah, it was a right. few years ago he did an interview, um, where he said, you know, he he doesn't play a lot of like the the other tournaments, um, and when he does, he doesn't really practice for him. He likes his off time, um, but yet usually the only time he practices for majors then is like a week before he'll start going out and playing more, um. Again, I don't know if that's still true, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I mean, we're shaping up for a great weekend regardless. Um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, as for Morikawa, I'm with you. I mean, I think he's still going to play really well this weekend. I don't think he's he's going to miss the cut or anything like that. Um, but I mean, I, at the end of the day, I feel like Augusta every year just surprises you. Um, so yeah, that should, it's going to be really interesting to watch that. Yeah, I agree. I think that he, I think he probably plays his top thirty. I just for some reason I feel like Kepka's gonna has a better chance at winning than him. Uh, another big name, John Rahm, is uh, had a lot of major championship success, and he looks to continue that at Augusta National. He's finished inside the top ten in each of his last five major starts, which included his victory at the U.S. Open in twenty twenty one. Just, just another guy that is really able to turn it on when it comes to the majors. Uh, we had talked this, this past week about you had picked Luke List. He's um, 37, and he's returning to Augusta National after 17-year absence. He was the uh, low amateur in 05, and he's playing his first Masters as a professional athlete, after, or a professional golfer, sorry, after his win at the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah, um, I mean, that's huge for him to finally make it back here. I mean, you and I have been really high on him this year. I mean, I picked him to win this past weekend. Um, definitely wish him the best. I mean, it, I couldn't imagine. I understand, like, how tough it is just to get into to play Augusta, but, you know, for having to miss 17 years, um, I know he's excited to get back there. Uh, so, again, I'm not picking him to win this week, but I, I think he's uh, – <laughs> I think he's gonna put on a great show. Uh, as for John Rahm, um, I I don't think it continues. I think he's been struggling way too much this year. Um, I, I think not that his career is on a downward slope. I just think he he's in kind of a funk right now. And I've talked about this before. Um, and I don't see Augusta being being the place where it bounces back. Now it could be 100 percent wrong, and you know he has a great weekend. Maybe even gets up there and wins. Um, but personally, I just think he he's been struggling more than usual lately. Um, and Augusta is a really really hard place to to get you know back into it. Um, so I, I again I don't see him missing the cut. Um, but I'm gonna say he doesn't finish inside the top ten. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. No, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's great for Luke List to be to be playing as 
his first time in 17 years here. I, I honestly don't see him placing or uh, finishing the top 30. And with Rom, I don't know if he had a kid or what's going on, but he's just not been there recently. Uh, I think that he finishes probably outside the top 10 for sure, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and the last uh, storyline or last question I'll, I'll pose to you. Um, do you think a major list tour winner will break through this week? Uh, so we have Scheffler, we have Hovland, Cameron Smith, Xander Schauffele. Uh, they are all inside the top 10 in the world golf rankings, uh, but none of them have secured a major championship title yet. Um, Smith, of course, just came off his win at the Players. Uh, only one player in history has won both the Players and the Masters in the same year. Uh, it was Tiger Woods in 2001. He was also the last player to defend his title at the Masters, which happened exactly 20 years ago today. Yeah, I I think uh, the four guys that you had named, Shoffley, Scheffler, Hovland, and Smith, are all great. I think that they've, they've really been. I mean, Xander, I feel like he hasn't been up to the same level as the other three in terms of placing and stuff like that. But, you know, I think of them, if I had to pick one, that has a chance, I would say that it's Scheffler just based on his hot streak. Yeah, um, I mean, I would agree with you. To me, it's it's either out of this group, it's going to be Scheffler or Hovland. Um, Cameron Smith has played really well at some of the majors, so I'm not ruling him out. Um, but again, I'm in the same boat as you. Shoffley has looked really great at times, but they're, he's just not consistent enough. Um, but who knows? He may, he may come out here and uh, make us... Bite, bite our tongue and um, prove us all wrong. Uh, real quick, um, let's go over some of the bets that we placed here. Um, so you and I have both obviously put money on Tiger Woods. Uh, depending on the sports books, um, he is either plus five thousand or plus six thousand to win. Um, the best odds for this week are uh, John Rom, currently sitting at plus nine hundred to plus thirteen hundred. Um, I'll let you go first. What are some of the uh, the other bets that you put in? Uh yeah, so I put um ten bucks on Justin Thomas at plus eleven hundred odds. That returns like hundred and twenty bucks. I also put like you had said we bet on Tiger. Um hopefully he surprises everyone. I mean the movie that will have to be made about this guy <laughs> It's just going to be ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't even know, like, do you sell a pay-per-view? Is that something that's on ESPN? Like, who knows? But it's just ridiculous what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, I, I I put money on Scotty Scheffler, who's at plus 1,400 odds. And then the other person, oh, I, uh, with you, I put that Tiger Woods, or top five finish which was at a plus 1,100 odds, which I feel like is, there's, I mean, that's the same odds. He has the same odds to place in the top five that Justin Thomas has to win the tournament. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the main reason I took that. And that, and, you know, golf is weird where you can have, like, 15 guys tie for fifth, and guess what? They all technically finished fifth. Um, and with this bet, you know, that, that, that covers it, you know, they don't have to finish fifth solo. They can finish tied for fifth. Um, Real quick, just go over some of the bets that I put in. Uh, I picked a couple of different winners. Just, I mean, there was a couple of people going around on on TikTok and Twitter and stuff saying, "Oh, like these are the statistics you need to look at." And based on that, here's who's gonna win. Um, some of them were just my gut or just who I like. Um, so yeah, I took Scheffler at plus fourteen hundred. Um, I took Taylor Gooch to finish in the top forty. That was minus one fifty. Um, Will Zalatoris to finish top 40, minus 250. Uh, Sam Sam Burns at the same odds to finish top 40. Uh, again, like you just mentioned, Tiger Woods finishing top 5. Uh, Max Homa to make the cut. He, is, he came out on Twitter and said that he guarantees that he will make the cut. Um, so Max, oh, he I'm, put the guarantee. Yeah, he put the guarantee. So I'm, I'm believing the, in you now. Peanut Max. butter jelly sandwich guarantee. Yeah. Uh, that is at minus 250. Um, I also have him finishing in the top 40 at minus 150. Uh, 
back to a couple winners here. Pat Patrick Cantlay, um, and I that's plus eighteen hundred. I took that. Uh, Brooks Kepka, of course, couldn't leave my boy out uh, at plus two thousand. Uh, Will Zalatoris at plus thirty five hundred. Um, finished second last year as a rookie, and now it, it's hard to go like that in back to back years. Um, he hasn't looked great consistently this year. Um, but I, I, I don't know, man. I'm taking them. Um, let's see. Oh, we also took Justin Thomas at 1100 and Tiger Woods at 6000 and Cameron Smith was 1600 Um, and I took that. So those are all the bets that I put in. Uh, 13 bets in total. Um, I think I put enough in. Um, but nonetheless, uh, that will wrap up our episode. I think we talked enough to get you ready for the, the Masters. Um, there's nothing else that we need to say or do to get you guys ready. Uh, but we will be back next week um, to review everything that happened, all the crazy shots, all the heartbreak, all the, the triumph, everything. Um, we will be back next week to go over all of that with you guys. Um, but that should do it for this episode. Uh, as always, please go check out our other shows. Uh, check out uh, our social medias, our TikTok, our Instagram, our Twitter. Uh, YouTube will be up some point this week. I can't give you an exact day yet. Love it. Um, and listen, if this is your first time listening to us, obviously we're not the highest quality podcast. It's not the highest quality vlog. Um, <laughs> I didn't do a we're great job. trying our best. Yeah. I didn't do a great job of conveying my vision to my lovely fiance, who was my videographer this weekend. Um, but it's, it's all a learning experience. Um, and so I'm looking forward on, you know, taking what I've learned from doing it and taking the feedback, uh, when we get it posted, um, and improving each and every time we go out there. Um, but just a little under a month away, um, Nick Slade and I will all be together and we will film a huge vlog then. That's going to be a lot of fun. And of course I get married. Um, but nonetheless, thank you guys so much for the support. Go enjoy the Masters, uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Yes, sir.